Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellum podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. Well, friends, good to see you. Have you ever gone stargazing? Yeah, I hear some yes. Okay. Any locations? Just shout them out. Have you gone camping or? Oh, okay. Very awesome experience. Yes, amazing, amazing. So there's so much awe and wonder that happens, right, when we look up at the stars. And I think there's two main reactions we can have when we look at the stars, okay? Other than the awe and the wonder and just the kind of mystery that we feel when we look up at the sky and see all these tiny twinkling lights, I think that we can either feel closer to God in that moment or farther away (laughs) or maybe somewhere in between. When we look up at the star and we see how big this universe really is, we can kind of feel small. But we also see how amazing and wonderful the stars are and that can make us feel kind of close to God. It's a strange experience seeing the constellations. Even when the stars seem to be really small, you might feel smaller. <laughs> you might feel your humanity in a different way. Or maybe you just feel awe. When we look up at the sky, There's something spiritual about that. And it's always been this way. I promise we won't go down the rabbit hole of the mysteries of the universe or black holes or any of that. But maybe you're familiar with the feeling of looking up at the stars and feeling some strange mix of hope and fear, of majesty and kind of uncertainty of what this life is really about. How did we get here? What does any of this mean? And if I am as small as I feel right now, what part do I have to play in the whole thing? I think that's a little bit of what the Magi, or I'll call them the wise ones, because we don't actually know that they were men. Did you know that? The text never actually says that these were men. So really, we can say that they were wise people. They were mystics, as Chris said. They were astrologers, even. And they were feeling some strange mix of hope and fear, wonder and mystery, excitement, when they looked up in the, in the stars in the sky and saw that something was different. These really were, we say mystics, but we could also very well say astrologers. And it's no surprise that our Christian tradition has firmly painted them as kings instead of stargazers, probably to stay far away from the woo-woo, the new age. But there is something undoubtedly (laughs) woo-woo about what happens on this day, according to our scripture. Sometime near the birth of Jesus, a star appears in the sky. And there are different theories about what this star star was. 
There, could it have been a lunar eclipse? Could it have been a constellation of stars? Could it have been a burning star, a falling star? But people have really researched what the actual constellation was that the, the wise ones saw. But whatever they saw, they knew it was some kind of horoscope that they needed to listen to. It was an announcement that they recognized was significant. They know somehow that an ancient prophecy has been fulfilled. And this is amazing for so many ways. They travel to Jerusalem because, of course, you go to the center of religious authority when you want answers about a star in the sky and what that may signal. You go to the place where the experts are. What does this mean? But does this center of authority really help them? According to the story, King Herod is there, and Herod is the king of Judea, and it's important to think of Herod as like an associate king. He wasn't like the main king. He wasn't as big as Caesar. He didn't have all the clout, but in the bureaucracy of Rome, of the Roman Empire, he mattered, and he had been designated to lead an area called Judea. And the relationship between the Roman Empire and the Jewish people was tense at best and dangerous at worst. It was always clear to the Romans who was really in charge. So even if this nice little group of Jewish people followed God, that was fine. They could, they could listen to uh, their teachers and scribes. They could read the Torah as long as it never interfered with what the empire wanted to do. And even Herod himself, this miniature king Herod, feisty man he was, he was raised as a Jew. He was part of the tradition. And so these, these mystics, these astrologers, they see this constellation, they go to Jerusalem to get some answers. And Herod is there with all the priests and the scribes when these astrologers arrive. But what's interesting is, did these priests and scribes not also notice the sign in the sky? Apparently not. But Matthew doesn't describe them as shocked. Rather, they're able to kind of turn to the scriptures and confirm what the astrologers might be thinking, that indeed a Messiah has been born in the land of Bethlehem. A savior that will reign from the line of David. But this is... This is bad news for Herod. Because the thing about kings is they don't usually really like other kings. Do you know that? They don't like to share power. They're not really into that. They're not very collaborative. <laughs> okay? Especially kings that can threaten the power and authority of Herod himself. So Herod immediately feels threatened by this. And the text even says that he is afraid. This powerful man, deemed in control by the big, scary Roman Empire, is shaking in his boots because a Christ child has been born. Herod sends the Magi to find baby Jesus, saying himself that he would like to pay homage, which is a word that just means worship or respect or reverence. But this is a lie. Herod doesn't really want to pay homage. He just wants to know where Jesus is so that he can ultimately hurt him, so that he can squash this rising king 
this, this child who has come to save. Already, the Christ child is in danger. So all the happy, fun music that we've been listening to for the last two months, it becomes kind of irrelevant because this is no nativity fairy tale. There is immediate consequences to being born a Messiah. Christ was not born into a world ready to welcome him. And even though I would say the name of Jesus is pretty easily welcomed in culture today, I'm not really sure that our world is much better at welcoming this king who changes everything, including empires that oppress the people of God. So the wise ones travel toward this star. They seek out this child. They're ready to go. They're ready to travel. They were sent to Bethlehem by one king, but they would end up worshiping, bowing down to another. They were seeking a different king than Herod. And when they arrive, Jesus is with his mother and Joseph And the text says that these mystics, these astrologers from the East, these foreigners in many ways, kneel to pay homage to Christ. Notice that they don't offer their gifts immediately. You've always heard of of the three gifts, the treasure chests that come out. But it is first their knees that bend before their pocketbooks, before their gifts, They kneel and recognize the newborn king. These are respected, elite, educated foreigners who are bowing down to an infant in Bethlehem. So the biggest thing I want us to focus on today is that it is the outsiders who recognize the birth of Christ. First, we might even say. Chris kind of spoke to this earlier. And sure, they get directions from the religious experts who can confirm what the scriptures say. But how much can we learn from the ones who saw the star and acted out of urgency and reverence when it wasn't even their home religion? They weren't from the same place. How much can we learn from those who are outside of Christianity when it comes to recognizing Christ among us? I know, that's a bold statement. But is it sometimes those that have been pushed out or who have been called foreign that are actually the most equipped to respond to the to the work of God, the good news of Jesus. In this ancient story, labels don't really matter when it comes to worshiping Jesus. I have so many friends and and many and, and some of you are on this journey who are in the process of deconstruction, and that's a word we, we say a lot, but basically they're tearing down everything in their religion that wounded them. And they're in a lot of pain from religious trauma and from acts and beliefs that made them feel excluded. 
they're used to seeking. They're used to looking for signs from God. That's their home base is seeking. Not the cozy interior of the religious authority, not the temple, not the first pew of the church. They're familiar with the process of being in the wilderness and looking for a sign from God. And it's interesting because even though they never have the same label of Christian, they often speak of Jesus in ways that are helpful to me. They see things in a different way. It's rarely Jesus himself who they have been wounded by. But all those religious experts who pointed to the Bible before even listening to their stargazing dreams and questions and ponderings. The Bible tells us again and again that God's salvation is a universal invitation. Jew and Gentile, Christian and non-Christian, believer and non-believer, I wonder how much God is asking us to soften our grip on these labels and simply allow the spirit to move among all of us as we seek Christ in the world. It was a star that changed everything and it also, it also changed what true royalty looked like. This, the true king was the baby that the wise ones bowed down to, not Herod who was acting like a baby. <laughs> he was really acting like a baby, but Jesus was the baby born to save us. Jesus is the king. And the good news is that him, him being the king looks nothing like what the world tells us a king looks like. Herod finds out that he's been tricked by the Magi, and he's really angry. And his anger prompts a very scary decision that we'll have to process another time. It's not a family service <laughs> topic. But the point is that the empire allowed anger and violence to reign, while this child, this savior, would begin a new path to salvation that's all about justice and compassion and love and belonging and truth and goodness. Violence had no place in the kingdom of God. And that's why Herod was shaken in his boots because he knew that violence was being threatened, that the powers that be were at risk. So they find out in a dream that Herod is really angry, so they know they should not go back to Herod. And the text says that they go home by another road. I love this phrase, and I think that it can inform so much of our faith. They take a detour. They don't go back to Herod and rat out Jesus, and they could have. They could have gone back to the religious authorities and tattled and said, hey, Herod, I know where this king of the Jews has been born and given him the location. They could have done that. There was probably an incentive in doing that, financially or with power. 
But instead, they bend their knees down and they worship the king. They say, this is the king, and I won't return to that other king. They take a detour from violence, a detour from what's expected of them, and in turn, they have a part in protecting Jesus. Of course, Jesus will ultimately save them. But how amazing is it that in God's great decision to become vulnerable, these outsiders get to play a role in protecting Jesus in his most vulnerable time. So some key takeaways. If you take away anything, take away this. Labels of identity are not as important as you might think when it comes to worshiping Jesus. They're just not. Seeking God is really mysterious. And the cosmos itself is involved. The real king of the universe is not the violent, fragile one that is so many times propped up in our world. The real king is a king of love, a king of grace, a king who would suffer and die in the name of love. That is true royalty. Dreams matter. And sometimes we receive important information in mysterious ways. But it's always important to listen. And lastly, what we seek is already seeking us. What we seek is already seeking us. The hope, the love, the healing, the justice, the salvation, the community, the reconciliation that we are seeking is seeking us. And so our task is to keep on seeking and be ready when we hear the word star, when we see signs of God's grace, when we see moments of hope, it is our job to respond, not with certainty or judgment or violence, but with loving, reverent hearts, ready to worship Jesus and follow him into a new world. May we keep on seeking. Amen.
shining for days. I've already been in this desperate place. I've already been hearing you've made a way. Embrace this glory, strung out across the sky. Memories of darkness undone by the light, reminding me you are right here by my side. You're here by my side. You're here. My kids to come back up here. We're going to do the benediction together. So if you have your star ready, you don't have it ready. Okay. <laughs> it takes time. You can also use a shaker. Can y'all stand, can y'all stand up with me? We're going to face out towards our parents this way. Everybody stand up. Okay, okay, I want you to hold up your star, and I want you to repeat after what I say, okay? Say, we see the star. We are so excited, so excited. Jesus is our king. We will keep seeking. Go in peace, friends. Happy New Year. <laughs> Good job. Good job. That was awesome. That was awesome. You don't want to keep it?
slow.